Wry Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Batman and Robin, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney, Uma Thurman, Chris O'Donnell, and Alicia Silverstone, directed by Joel Schumacher. Matt, I almost couldn't get through that list without, like, cracking up. <laughs> Welcome back to Rise Smile Films. This You asked for it. You're getting it. Uh, this is going to be pretty torturous for Matt and I, but we're delving into a new film review cask. We're calling this one DC Rocket, and oh boy, is it Rocket. Not only are the films going to echo that, but the drink is going to echo that. So, Matt, why don't you kind of tell the listeners what's in front of us? This is This is scarier than the film, I think. That's saying something. Yeah, maybe. Let's hope. Uh, okay. <laughs> this might be. And the fact that for everybody that doesn't know this, we record these in the morning. It's not even 11 o'clock yet, and we're about to jump in deep, exactly. both feet. Exactly. Um, I guess there's odd pairings in film sometimes in this, which would be uh, how could you take such an iconic character and make him so bad? So we're going to take two other iconic flavors and see if we can make them equally bad. This is the very popular and... Seems to be in heavy rotation, mini liquor stores, screwball. The peanut butter whiskey. Peanut butter whiskey. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take that and we're going to mix it with grape crush, which then essentially would give us a peanut butter and jelly whiskey. <laughs> oh my God is right. Do I we just, need vomit buckets for the drink and the film? No, I'm just going to say, if, if let's refrain from spitting on the soundboard and on the mics and we'll just go that way. I don't even know what percent should we go half and no. half heavy on the crush light on the screw. What do you want? I'm going to let you do it. Oh no. Okay. Look you out. Do it. But you know, thanks to rise smile films. This is all your fault. Um, you oh, know, I'm sure you all are just tickled with yourselves out there this week, right? Yeah. But we're going to cover, you know, some bad films, but you know, if you want to go back into, into films past, you know, we've covered everything from the East rail trilogy, film noir, uh, Avengers, uh, Summer Blockbusters, Alfred Hitchcock, Slasher, Stephen King. There's a niche in there for everybody, even romantic comedies to an extent. Yeah. So there's a little bit of something. This is now new territory. Yeah, yeah, mixed mine pretty good too. Oh. And if you like what you're hearing, and we know we got a lot of great listeners out there, some really great supporters, and we thank you for that. You know, give us give us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify. If you've never listened to podcasts on Stitcher, it's a really great podcasting site uh, for you. Uh, but we're on Podbean. You know, you know, subscribe to us. Hit us up with emails. You know, we like to engage with 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 the audiences. So. Yeah, this is all for you. Matt and I um, get to talk about film and, get, and go on aimlessly, and that's and that's and that's really great. But the fact that you're all listening and being such great fans is just an added bonus. So, to that, to that, cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Oh, it tastes like a peanut butter and jelly. You get a little bit of grape first, and then the peanut butter at the bottom. Oh wow! Yeah, hmm. interesting. I didn't want to necessarily spit it out when I drank it. Is that saying something? It really does taste like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Interesting. You mad scientist, drink mixologist, Tom Cruise cocktail person, you. <laughs> Put your criticisms on ice. Oh, yeah. Let's just get right into it. So with our flight question, we're, let's actually start with maybe some good because it's going to get real bad real quick. Uh, Batman 
I'm excited to talk about him. He's always been my guy. Uh, just from just him being a hero, he's just always been a dude with a lot of money, but he's always been the most human to me and human in his, in his issues that he has. But of all his assortment of toys and gadgets in this, there's one that stands out to me the most, and it's the Batmobile. Like, other than Wonder Woman's Invisijet and, like, the Fantastic Car, no one else has, like, a vehicle. But it's it's been iconic for so many years. So, Matt, my question to you, what is the best Batmobile? One of the things that is cool about Batman for me is his superpower is his intellect. Mm-hmm. I think there's been some discussion about the next Batman movie really sort of tackling him in the detective role that he should be in. I think we're getting more of a street-level yeah. solve-the-crime thing. No worry. <clears throat> so he doesn't really have super strength or heat vision. So it's also then what he equips himself with, and part of that is his gear. Yeah, his arsenal. His best piece of gear, without question, is the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. So which one's the best one? Yeah. Functionality comes in to this for me. And as cool as some of the more sleek Corvette-looking Batman cars are, sure, they seem like they're really fast straight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Tumbler, Nolan's Batmobile. All-terrain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit too versatile. Like, it almost does a little bit too much. Sure. But then it's some of that's necessary to write yourself out of problems you might come into in story. Definitely. But it looks cool. Uh, this I don't think it's fast, mm-hmm. so that's sort of off the board. But it's tank-like and big enough to house an arsenal of necessary components to mm-hmm. fight off the nefarious forces of Gotham. Yeah. So, you know, and it comes in black. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Does it come in black? Indeed. Uh, yeah, I remember there was a bit of kind of mini fa- fan. If there always is with Batman, like fan outrage at the first kind of initial concept of the Tumblr. But I think on film, once you saw it, you're, you, I think you totally got how it could work. Yeah. You know, it was this military be- vehicle that was used to kind of you know, you know, bridge gaps and stuff in like hard hard terrain. So it has a, an applicability there. Yeah, and it just looks cool. And even in the second one, when it houses the, you know, the bat pod, um, you know, it kind of has like a second, you know, vehicle component to it. So, no, that's a that's a great choice. Before you answer, yeah, maybe you can, we'll get to this, or maybe we can do it now if you want. Sure. Is there any more impossible fan base than the Batman fan base? Is that the most snobby fanboy yeah, fan base I there think is? Star Wars has it beat still. Star Wars. But is if, Spider-Man in there too? Yeah. I don't know. How, I pick, don't think how, so. how picky do you get? I'm not that yeah, much. You just get disappointed. <laughs> Fair. Okay. No, Um. yeah, you're right. You know, I don't see like Lord of the Rings or S- Star Trek or Harry Potter fans really losing it. Like Star Wars fans go ape shit. Um, but Batman fans seem to criticize just about any announcement, whether it's a casting or a decision on costume or how things yeah. look. Like they, they, they get crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm a little a part of that. But like I've been more open-minded like in the last like 10 years of accepting of choices and decision making so okay yeah excellent sorry i didn't mean to no 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 no, that's great uh i'm a i'm i'm a classic i'm a purist uh the the batmobile in this film looks pretty cool too it's got a great design but the one that's always been at the core of my heart i gotta go with the keaton mobile from batman 89 and in batman returns you know, the look of it, it's almost like this this big missile, you know, and they kind of did that Art Deco design, and it's very sleek and, you know, has the turbine on the back, uh, designed by Anton first. Like, they, they really nailed 
the like the gothic component to the design in the Burton films. And I think the Batmobile fits that so well. It has a great reveal too in that film when he rescues Vicky Vale from the art museum and he and he says, get in the car. And she says, which one? And boom, like that's the first introduction of it. And it's just like iconic. Maybe not as like versatile as yours because it doesn't take turns easily. <laughs> right. Which is important. But just from the look alone, it's a great one. Like um, I, I also I have a soft spot too for the Adam West as do television I. show and that's one you know if my you're, number two yeah like you you might have like at a comic-con or like at a car show maybe have seen something seen it there kind of doing the rounds which is really cool but not sitting well that's weird that's just it's not so terrible i want to pitch it like you said but it's interesting enough to kind of keep <clears throat> me coming back and then leaving me disappointed upon every drink yeah isn't that weird Really weird. I'm glad we put ice in that. If that was warm, I, that'd be a little difficult. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I didn't even bring the whiskey glasses out for this one. This one does, doesn't even deserve that. Just... I noticed that when I walked by. We don't even get red solo cups. These are clear solo cups no, we because got... we are really slumming it. Yeah. We got to see the purple, though. That looks, that looks great. That's right. Excellent. Well, I think time now more than ever. It's happy hour time. Let's jump right into this shit sandwich and our review breakdown of Batman and Robin. I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. Man, we can't even get through the first line of dialogue on this film without just going like, what? But first, let me throw some praise this film's way. Oh, just a tiny bit of praise. Something I've always liked about Batman Forever and Batman and Robin is actually the music by Elliot Goldenthal. He hasn't really done like a whole lot of like, you know, film composing, but... I've always liked his Batman theme, that bum, 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 bum. And, you know, we get the the titles with Arnold Schwarzenegger headlining this vehicle, and we get that great music, and then into the Bat suit-up montage, which is just ridiculous. It's out of control. It's just shots of ass and crotch and nipples, gadgets that don't even get used. It's just ridiculous. And we're not even saying anything until that line, and we're just like, What? Okay, I guess we have to make a decision right now. Mm -hmm. And is that, is this movie as bad as it is purposely bad in a 1960s Batman and kind of camp version that we sort of are familiar with? Sure, yeah. Or is it, there is such little recognition among the production team, which I kind of find hard to believe, impossible to believe, Mm -hmm. that it just came out this shitty. I think we both sort of said, it's trying to be a bit of an homage to the camp of the 60s. Sure. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so let's state that. Now, if you're going to do campy, you still need some wit to pull it off. Yeah. And the that opening bat suit montage that you just mentioned mm-hmm. is so ridiculous with crotch and ass and nipples and everything that you just said. Mm-hmm that you are right away put on blast that there is no wit here and you have a big problem mm-hmm. because camp is paid off with a witty delivery or yeah. an intelligent way to do it. And this is just excess from the start from the start. Mm-hmm. Now I think I'm going to quote one of the actors here that said Joel would like to you know, sit on a crane with his megaphone and, you know, yell at each take. He's like, remember everybody, 
this is a cartoon. Uh, and the actors found it hard to act because that really sets the tone for the film. That's very cartoonish. But I think you're right. To an extent, you can have your cake and eat it too. But there has to be some, yeah, some, some payoff or some. How did you how did you explain it? Some wit. Some wit to it. Delivered cleverly. Yeah, and when every other line, I think I joked to you that the film can't go more than like a minute or two without a pun of some sorts. Yeah, we're in big trouble because the whole film just feels like an episode of a cartoon show. And at a time when Batman has a really excellent cartoon show on the air, uh, this is just like, it can't even compete at, at this point. So, yeah, we get that that line delivery and, you know, trying to be meta with the Superman kind of thing, which would have been great if Superman was still, you know, relevant here in the 90s. But this is literally it. Like, 97, it's Batman and Robin and nothing else. Marvel's bankrupt. It's going to be a couple of years before Blade gets off the ground and they, they start figuring out the film thing. But Superman had long been dead after Quest for Peace. Like, this is it. This is all we have. I guess that's an appropriate nail in the coffin then. Because mm -hmm. if you're going to go down, you <clears throat> might as well go down in something that doesn't even pretend to be good. Go, go down in a blaze of glory. Go down hard, yeah. Put the franchise on ice. Yeah. So the first kind I'm of... I'm going to throw as many puns at you as okay. I can in this good. podcast. You do it. So there's many plot lines and plot threads taking place in this gosh insane film. So the first one now, you know, we're we gotta go fight Mr. Freeze, this new villain in town. Uh the second one that's kind of introduced to us pretty early on is the fact that Alfred Pennyworth, played by Michael Goff, who Michael Goff and Pat Hingle uh played he played Commissioner Gordon. They they were in all four of these early Batman films, so He's dying of something. We think it's maybe cancer. He's having a heart attack or something, but he's going to be dying this entire film. So it's, there's there's two for you. Well, let's get to this museum. And you said it really good. Like, what the hell's up with this museum? Like, is this a diamond museum or a dinosaur museum? Like, what what's going on here? That doesn't make any sense at all. And it's 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 ridiculous to say, well, that's the problem because there's many other ones that are far greater. But it's your opening scene and you can't even determine like what an appropriate setting is in your opening opening scene. I, I guess we get our introduction to Mr. Freeze and the necessity for him to steal diamonds to power his freeze suit so that he can blah, 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 blah. And the place to do that isn't a bank or a jeweler. It's the museum. Mm -hmm. I guess that's pretty smart because there can't be that much security at the museum. And <clears throat> visually, there's enough set pieces to where you can use the freeze gun to freeze the tail of the brontosaurus. And but it just doesn't make any sense. And because what we're doing is there's no realm of boundary that we exist in. Like anything is possible because this diamond that's as big as the desk you and I are sitting on, mm -hmm. not really, but it's huge, yeah. is next to a schlocky kind of brontosaurus, modely brand. Yeah. yeah. It, that doesn't make sense. And then there's no security in there either. Mm -hmm. So, I, look, part of the villainy of Batman is, or the the villains, the, the purpose of the rogues mm -hmm. on some of them is take over, and then there's the really good bank robber. Sure. And I guess we've decided that Mr. Freeze is going to play the role of, like, the bank robber or the thief. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's probably an appropriate level of criminality for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just weird to do it at a museum filled with dinosaurs and diamonds. What do you think of his look? Like he looks pretty cool. 
Actually, I think he looks better when he's out of his armor than he is when he's yeah, in his Yeah, they did armor. some like really cool makeup to like his, his face. Glittery blue kind of Ziggy Stardust frozen. <laughs> looks frozen, yeah. What do you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger in this film? Uh, I think you said it best earlier, so I don't want to steal your thunder on this when you said what you told me when we were watching, so I'm going to let you have it. I, I guess it's bad, <laughs> but I'll, I think you're story for this is better. So well, I'm going to tell you something else I found out. This is going to send shockwaves through you right now. So um, they looked at some other actors, you know, like Patrick Stewart, which, you know, Patrick Stewart kind of looks like the Mr. Freeze from the animated series. So that could have been worked pretty good. But when you had the opportunity to cast Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's still kind of at the height of his powers, you got to jump all in. So what happens is you end up rewriting the villain's script to accommodate Schwarzenegger. And that's why there's so many puns in this, because that's Schwarzenegger's career in a nutshell. And I think when not handled properly, I think some directors like James Cameron and uh, John McTiernan and Paul Verhoeven know how to use Schwarzenegger appropriately. There's still some of that, but they still know how to command action well. Talking about Predator and Total Recall and The Terminator. True lies, even. Commando, he's even got some pretty good lines in a terrible movie. Yeah. Commando. Como esta? <laughs> I said I'd kill you last. Yeah. I lied. Excellent. But, yeah, when it's handled, you know, now here by Joel Schumacher and Akiva Goldman, who this is a man that went on to write, you know, films like The Beautiful Mind and Da Vinci Code and uh, Angels and Demons. Yeah, it's just, it's just handled so poorly. But, Matt, this is going to absolutely kill you. So uh, Schwarzenegger agreed to do this film, and this in turn forced him to decline to do a third Conan film. That film became Cole the Conqueror with Kevin Sorbo. Oh, wow. Yeah. For a B-movie, I really enjoy Cole the Conqueror. That was supposed to be Conan 3. No shit. With Schwarzenegger, yep. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. Instead, he's in this, punning his way to the next scene. The Iceman cometh. Please show some mercy. Mercy? I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. So now we're introduced That's to. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, there you go. For him, the there whole film. Yep. <laughs> So now we're introduced to Batman's arrival here at the museum. And I want to play a little experiment with you here. Mm, the great. lines on Batman are great. You know, when said well, you know, by the appropriate actor in the right context. Let's listen to some tales from the past. Where are you? I'm Batman. Keaton kills it. That's just a perfect, it's not gravelly. It's just the right amount of intimidating. And then let's look at Bale. What the hell are you? I'm Batman. Kind of terrifying. Like, I wouldn't want to run into that Batman in an alley. Let's take a look at Mr. Clooney here. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. <laughs> George, do you want to... Take a second crack at that, or, or Joel, do you think I should, you know, give that another go? Like, no, it's good. Let's move on. Like, I freeze. I'm Batman. Good God! Can I offer you some appetite? What? Yeah, yeah. He works at Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a great. Can I introduce you in our stuffed mushroom caps today? They're quite delicious. Yeah. This isn't a great introduction to our hero. And then he slides down the tail of the brontosaurus to now we're in getting into the fisticuffs with the, the hockey team from hell. 
and that are like the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz put on skates. Yeah. It says what? But good thing Batman and Robin have skates in their boots. Oh man, that's rough. So rough and tumble right on their backs and then they click their heels <clears throat> together. And instead of going back to Kansas, blades appear on their shoes. Well, let's talk about something just also egregious too. And I had to pause and we had to watch it twice when oh, yeah. Rob and Chris O'Donnell bust through the door of the museum in his motorcycle perfectly in the background is the robin symbol like cut out like like some cartoon character ran through it i think you set it up earlier like all the different rivaling threads of conflict in this this is one mm -hmm. that's played out like all of them to no significance which is trying to become unequal to batman instead of the semi-worthy and only when it's not real dangerous usable sidekick that could be something in this film mm -hmm. and we get Robin's semi-grand entrance on his motorcycle as he blasts through the wall of the museum. museum yeah. And there's a Robin symbol from where he blasted in. Mm -hmm. Now, Batman's never got that. Batman's never introduced himself through a wall via <laughs> bat. <laughs> but Robin was able to, which doesn't even make sense. But again, we're not, we can't say that doesn't make sense because nothing in this movie makes sense. So that's a ridiculous criticism. So I'm going to put that on ice. Um, well said. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'm telling you the whole podcast. Okay. Okay. Up. Go ahead. Uh, so there's something, and they actually do address that multiple times in this movie mm -hmm. and it kind of plays out, but not really like everything in this movie. Mm -hmm. I actually do have a very simple premise for what the, the overriding theme of this movie should have been. We'll get to it. Now, let's wait. Let's, yeah, we'll get to it in a little bit. Yeah. It's it's, but it's not brotherly conflict or rivalry and through. it ain't any of this ice skating bullshit like it's just this is just out of control right now did you find yourself asking how big is this museum or the floor in this museum yeah because it's there's just infinite amounts of space it's gigantic we have to house a brontosaurus and a diamond mm -hmm. we must have to have a lot of room yeah well, <laughs> well it's got them oh it is yeah and then the other part that maybe i missed it because i just Go checked ahead. out yeah do you know you again you have a much more vast. I see you taking a lot of drinks of that peanut butter and jelly. Getting better? No. No? Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> does Mr. Freeze need diamonds in any part of the Batman rogue gallery of Mr. Freeze that you're I don't familiar know if they've with? ever established that uh, that his suit like needs like diamond power to like function properly. It usually is just self-cooling and he needs it to survive. It's never never needed to been powered by something. So that, that in itself is just giving him a reason to rob things. Like it, it should have been something to like help his wife fund his research yeah. on the black market after he sells them to continue to pay. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, but that, no, he's been working on that. We just don't get to see that until he pulls those vials out of his arm at the end of the film. Right. But if we are introduced to him early as mm -hmm. he gets, his funding is cut off mm -hmm. and the funding is necessary to, find the cure to save his wife, yeah. which is going to play out to Alfred sort of later. Oh I guess. my God. <laughs> I know. Then at least it makes sense why he's robbing banks, mm -hmm. but it almost comes across as just more schlock because the slang for diamonds are ice. ice. Yep. So I guess you're going to fuel your suit with ice, but as bad as that is, I've never seen anyone use a diamond that size as a hockey puck in an action sequence, except almost in running man. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yeah. Which sub zero. <sighs> Now, no, no zero, whatever yeah. that line is. Now, plane zero. Plane zero. 
Yeah, I, I don't know, Jesse. That's, um, it's yeah, bad. let's see. If you, if you want like a great Mr. Freeze story, there's a great episode of the animated series called you know, Hearts, Hearts on Ice. Um, it's one of the best episodes of animated television ever. I think it's Emmy Emmy winning as well. Very well written, but it really gets to the crux of Mr. Freeze, which is this kind of conflict that he has trying to you know, help his wife and then Batman getting in the way, which is kind of shown a little bit in this film. But to me, Schwarzenegger's involvement in this film is purely bank robber and bank jewel thief type of a thing. Well, and to triple down on that then, mm-hmm. bankability for the franchise. Let's put one more really recognizable star in there. Yeah, exactly. Because as you said, he wasn't wasn't cast and then somehow they got him because he turned his back on Conan 3. Whoops. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. Um, and then so we've got to find a way to use him. He can't deliver anything with gravity that's more than four or five lines because it's who he is. Well, I can kind of see why he took this film too. Batman Forever, the prior film in this entry, was actually the highest grossing film of 95. It was a gigantic hit. Uh, so they fast-tracked. Warner Brothers fast-tracked this sequel, and I think that's part of the problem was they rushed way too fast into this that they didn't even have, you know, an act uh, the, the actor to play him because, you know, the stories of Val Kilmer and Schumacher are well-told. They did not get along. It was a very tumultuous uh, experience. So they had to recast Batman. So they go to television actor, you know, George Clooney, who, you know, he fits the part very well. Like he's, we'll get into him a little bit more, but I think he looks good in the suit is is the thing. We thought he's got the, the, the lower jaw. He looks good in that. It's just, you know, the Batman he's playing right now, it's just, it's so schlocky. It's too campy. It's like a, a, a degree above Adam West. So two things. Mm-hmm. I think for Batman's success in film to work, you have to find rogues that suit the capers they're pulling off. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not Batman. Maybe that's any bad guy. Thanos <clears throat> is capable of a snap. Yeah. The wrecking crew in a Marvel way would not be capable of doing anything more than pulling off bank jobs or acting as muscle for larger operating batty. Yes. Okay. First of all, I think one of the big mistakes in this movie is to choose the two villains that they did. Not that either one of them are terrible, but they're pretty B minus to C list on Batman's rogues list. Is that fair? Yeah, and they don't pair well together. They don't because it's ice, like this drink. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, this drink probably pairs better than that. Uh, you're drinking. Yeah, yours pretty good there. I know. I'm yeah. putting a dent in it. Excellent. All right. Ice kills plants. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, okay, that's obvious. Here's the other thing, too. As much as the part was rewritten for Schwarzenegger. What you feature with Schwarzenegger when you feature him at this time is the body as well. Yeah. Like the part, every, I always love, to me, it's the quintessential Arnold Schwarzenegger moment. Him and Carl Weathers and Predator, where they do the hand clasp, and it's just, Dylan, you son of a bitch. Boom. Biceps. The oily biceps. If he's in the armor, mm-hmm. then what you're doing is you're doubling down on his one-line ability and not his most marketable trait, which literally moved him to the position of stardom in Hollywood that it did, his body, yeah, because he's in armor. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it doesn't look good. It does. He looks kind of cool in that, and the effects with the blue and the ice, all that looks good. That's the other thing about this film is it, it's it's lipstick on a pig. Yeah, but yeah, the design of it, it it's, it's always... Like that art deco that they took from the animated series has always looked well in the lighting too. But you've taken away the muscularity and the physical component of Arnold Schwarzenegger and put him in armor with an ice gun. And all then you're left with is Captain One-Liner. And it just plays out like trash. Mm -hmm. So I can't say it's a bad cast. I understand why they did it. Yeah. 
and uh, they didn't rewrite the like they didn't fix the suit. Mm-hmm. That's obviously the suit that Patrick Stewart was going to be in. That they said, well, we'll just keep it and make it a little bit bigger because he's a larger man. And I think he looks better in the film when he's just in his formal ice wear, <clears throat> like his suits that are ice suits, mm-hmm. you know, not armor, yeah. Yeah. like his clothes, and his bald head fits. But you, it's again, no, no, yeah, or to start, not again. It's a bad choice with how the cast was used oh, yeah. in this. No, that's what it comes down to. Really. Across the board, Across except the for board. Chris O'Donnell, who's trashing everything. But you have <laughs> you you made a statement about this time where you said, doesn't Clooney look good in the bat suit? Yeah. And the answer is it's good square drawline. Yeah. Yes, he mm-hmm. does. He and he's literally the most Bruce Wayne that there ever was, who oh, didn't yeah. get married till he was fifty five years old and ran out of outs mm-hmm. and locked down himself a nice gal. Yeah. But you said it so well, Jesse. He's put on the earth to be Bruce Wayne. Tell me what say tell the audience what you told me. Well, I I think I said that I don't think there's been a bad actor cast to play Batman, whether it's Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Bale, Affleck, and now Pattinson. I think what it comes down to is the Batman that they're written and that they get to play. Here it's just so campy and it just draws the film down so much. There's actually a good moment in the film. I was gonna turn to you. Um when Alfred's, you know, dying for the tenth time, and he kind of turns to him and he says, "He says, I love you, old man." He's like, "I love you too, boy." And they've had a history together, and they're kind of making their peace that everything's going to be okay after I go. You can still carry on this, this legacy. And that was kind of a good moment. And I thought they both, the, both those actors handled that well. But then you go from that to sky surfing oh on the capsule, God. on the capsule down, and it's just the tone is just out of control. Let's get out of this scene. They sky surf down. Robin goes cowabunga, which, God, that's just a groaner of groaners. Mm-hmm. He's frozen, and they can't pursue Mr. Freeze anymore because he has to thaw out you know, Robin. And then we finally get out of this scene. And this, I think it's about 14 minutes. This is about 14-minute opening sequence. Man, I'm just like kind of worn out already like by the, the puns, the tone, the bombardment, the miasma of lack of physics. It's just... Out of control at this point. Yeah, these doors that they're sky surfing in, mm-hmm. chasing after Mr. Freeze, make no sense. There's, a, You're playing so fast and loose with physics at this point that it is eye-roll-ish. Yeah. And Wait other to- than like nine-year-old Jesse who saw this movie when it came out, would mm-hmm. you nine or ten, would you tell me? I think eight. Okay, eight. 97, yeah. Where you don't have any concept of physics. You're, any, just, you're just here for a good time. Right. Yeah. You're... But one, and again, you can't do that with any science fiction movie because there is no story. But that is such a leap of faith that, and that sequence is twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and all we discover in that is they have this version of the bat suit. There's a little bit of struggle between Batman and Robin on who should be the leader and the follower, which there's no question as to who that is. Yep, and then. Mr. Freeze stealing a diamond, not to pursue the endeavors of solving his wife's issues, but to keep powering his suit that he only needs when he's out to steal more diamonds to continually power his suit. Because when he's back in his study Mm -hmm. and the ice cream factory or wherever his home base is, (laughs) he's in his regular clothes. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah. Just did someone not was, I guess no one in that room had the, common sense that god gave a flea to be raising an eyebrow and saying are we maybe making a bit of a mistake in this part can't we simplify this see hollywood needs more people like that they need more people like every boardroom decision making for your summer slate of films needs to have that guy that will 
not afraid to get called out and like like have his career ruined that says maybe this isn't such a good idea amazing spider-man 2 needed that guy too like maybe there's too much going on here because the very next thing let's just introduce plot number five i think yeah 100 of the film poison ivy now pamela isley somewhere in the amazon jungle doing experiments on on seymour little shop of horrors plants and you know there's another doctor there and he's doing his own venom experience and this is this has to be maybe the worst crime of the entire film is bane bane's treated like this like gross wrestler andre the giant monosyllabic thug yeah and he's and stupid like and not just like tonally but like literally he's like dumb, dumb He creates venom from this little skinny prisoner dude, and then he's all jaundice and yellow and gross, and he's got the venom, and it's just a poor treatment of the character. I mean, if you read Nightfall and then even see Nolan's handling of the character in Rises, he's a smart villain. He's and he's got he's got goals. He's not just uh, it gets even worse when he's literally driving the car with his trench coat and fedora disguise. Hey, that guy's not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing to see here, folks. Move Nothing, along. Yeah, just I don't know, understand. There's another use another villain that's popular now in the '90s, and let's just we don't know how to do this character. We don't understand the point of this character. We just need it in here. We need more. The simplicity of Bane's toxin <clears throat> is that it's a toxin and steroids, and then that's really poorly cast too because they just got a doughboy. <laughs> In 1997, we had begun to master GH and steroids, and you could have good-looking people body-wise through chemical enhancement. Matter of fact, one of them was in your movie anyway. His yeah. name was Arnold. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a little bit longer in the tooth and not quite able to pull that off. But yeah. I told you, mm-hmm. man, with the right amount of drugs, Arnold should have been Bane. Yeah. But no, that wouldn't. For whatever reason, I don't, maybe there were, a monosyllabic pain doesn't allow you to have one-liners because you need at least six syllables to pull that off. They like, got the luchador mask right, but everything else is just so wrong. It's a chilling choice yeah, in the way that they choose to depict Bane <laughs> because he's just so bulking and bulky and hulking, but not ripped. There's nothing lithe or ripped about him. He's just... Puffy. Just, yeah. Yeah. Retaining too much water. He's puffy. Enough, like less creatine, more GH, and up those reps, buddy. Like it's not four, not three sets of six. Let's go five sets of twelve. There you go. And he just he looks stupid. Yeah. And the mask looks stupid. Yeah. Which speaks to how well I think you said it. Mm-hmm. How well Nolan did Bane mm-hmm. later on. Man, he really slayed it. And Tom Hardy was much more Bane looking. But and realistic too. Like. Sure. Tom Hardy can be a big guy if he bulks up, but not like ridiculous. Okay, so here's the other thing too, and you said it though. We're, I don't know, 20-ish minutes into the movie, and we haven't even gone with the standard let's introduce two villains that was Penguin and Catwoman from the second Batman going forward. We're doing three, and here's the problem. All three of them are literally Mm -hmm. singular focused. It's Poison Ivy to protect plants. It's Bane to re Bane is just muscle. Yeah, smash it. And then the most opportunity I think is presented through Mr. Freeze, which is the pursuit of a cure for my wife. Yeah. But again, Bane in Batman's lexicon is an elevated villain compared to Poison Ivy or Mr. Freeze. He's A list. Mm-hmm. But in this, he's D- even F list. And and they're C list. Yeah. They found, I think, people that had no familiarity with the Batman franchise mm-hmm. to do the writing of this completely nonsensical Batman script with 
slam dunk possibilities. Yeah, in there. I don't know why you don't get like Bruce Tim, who's kind of like the showrunner of the animated series, and have him take a crack at one of these stories. I mean, you doing doing that in just thirty minute increments. Man, it's ego because have you ever heard the stories about him trying to pitch how successful Harley Quinn was and how they were reluctant to introduce her as canon in Batman? Mm -hmm. Actually, that story came out and she was. A, fantastic character, mm -hmm. Paul Denny and everyone else that was involved in DC on mm -hmm. that show in the comics were like, this has to be yeah. our next new one. <clears throat> and the brass of DC was like, well, we're not sure. Um, let's kind of kick this around. Cause we looked into some of the time periods, the introduction of the Batman rogues, which yeah. I will argue mm -hmm. in the superhero genre, he has the best rogues gallery. Oh, definitely. He's one Spider-Man's too, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. And we found out the last other than Court of Owls guy, 1985, was who? Uh, Black Mask was. Black Mask was the last one, and Bane was. Like early 90s. Okay, so mm -hmm. been a while since we've had anybody. And so they chose to double down on 1960 version 2. Yep. Because he was Mr. Zero, and then he became Mr. Mr. Freeze. Freeze. Mm -hmm. And you said that Poison Ivy was like 50. Like 50s, yeah. <sighs> I, I don't know, man. Yeah. So she's turned into poison ivy. Um, she's you know doused with venom and fluids and whatnot, and comes back as this kind of femme fatalish character. And that's something they could definitely run with. And and I think the film does that, but then does too much of it. Like how many times did she blow pink shit into people's faces? Too much. Every time she shows up, that's all she does. It's, yeah, it's just like you have enough in the air. I don't think you need to do it again. But now she kills the doctor that. Put her in there she recruits bane as this henchman and she's going to gotham because she sees wayne enterprises on the venom vial and now needs revenge against wayne so dumb oh uh, yeah yeah also when you bring this thing up to your to your to your nose it kind of smells like a foot like <laughs> oh yeah yeah dude tarantino would love this drink <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah there you go we found a winner all right so let's Another plot element now, if we didn't have enough of taking place in this film and it's all just not good, the introduction of, I'm not even going to say Barbara Gordon, Barbara Pennyworth or Barbara, just Barbara, the niece of Alfred Pennyworth shows up at Wayne Manor and now wants to repay Alfred for all the help that he's been giving while working there. And now they're going to just let her, let her stay there. <laughs> as, as close as they've kept the Wayne Manor to the vest. I guess Barbara's allowed full run of the place. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're walking around and then, you know, Clooney's in that turtleneck and like, and you said no one ever wore that. Like in the I 90s. I grew up in the nineties with no one wore, a, a, people wore turtlenecks. Yeah. But you didn't wear a sport coat over the, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It, his, his attire doesn't really work great either. Yeah. I think the nineties are, it's easy to dress the nineties. And then they have this moment where. We don't get so busy here. Oh, don't be silly, Alfred. After all, she's family. Somebody say something. Somebody respond to somebody. TikTok. TikTok. An emotion. Hello. <laughs> what the hell? Like this this is the movie. This is this is happening. <laughs> well, for a movie that has as many throwaway lines as it does, why isn't there something here? Yeah. Yeah, every throwaway pun is like a transition to the next scene. And here we're just standing looking at each other like everyone forgot their lines and they just left this in the film. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't know what to say. Yes, you're right. <laughs> There's nothing to say. Yeah. So now the big the big gist of this is kind of all these converging plot lines where Mr. Freezes needs the diamonds. He finds out that they're using the Wayne diamonds at this botanical garden auction, which gets 
uh, Poison Ivy all riled up, and she's going to go steal the diamonds, but Freeze needs the diamonds. And then we have this, like, auctioning of dates, and then this jungle dance by Poison Ivy, and the reveal of her as she has everyone under her spell and does this nice little number to kind of get up to the stage, and just everyone's kind of, like, in love with her now. Well, whether we like it or not, we've come to the what the crux of Batman and Robin is. It's diamonds. Mm-hmm. So the acquisition of those diamonds then has to speak to what the criminality is, which is a heist movie. That's what this has to be. So then you must scratch your head and say, what does purpose does Bane serve in that? Because you don't really need muscle. You need to be clandestine and you need the getaway driver. Yeah, you need so, Catwoman. Oh, that's, you just took the words out of my mouth. I know you've already burned her two films ago, but you need Catwoman. And effectively, Catwoman serves the same purpose that Poison Ivy does. Mm -hmm. They're both the seductress. So, whoops. I guess Mr. Freeze could sort of work, but no bank robber is going to look like Mr. Freeze does because it's just too uh, gregarious. It's it's too opulent. It's hard to hide your, your... body or yeah. your face when you look like mr freeze does i think it's a mistake mm-hmm. i don't i don't mind them having a, a heist caper no that'd be cool should be the riddler or yeah. maybe maybe the cast the villains in the second batman would be better suited for this one penguin and catwoman so can i ask you a question yeah maybe this is when i'm gonna do this let's okay. just do it now do it when you think about diamonds okay and the lexicon of contemporary life okay what do you associate diamonds with mostly yeah um engagement rings or yeah i think that's what this movie should be okay the crux of this movie and you could use a diamond here is what i'm going to get to in just a minute okay is the essential question if you will is love and loyalty whether it's mr freeze and his wife whether it's familial like batman and robin in their pursuits of what this family is whether it's Poison Ivy and her attempts to hijack it for her own purposes, I think that's what the overriding or theme of this film should be. How do you play that out, love and loyalty? No, that's 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 pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. And then if you even want to take that one step further, then there's even an introductory part, which what you just said is diamonds or ice given to someone via ring, which plays into what that connotates when given from A to B. Mm -hmm. What if, let's do a little sour mash here. Okay. What if we open up with Bruce Wayne on a knee proposing to Elle McPherson? Oh, yeah. And she says no. Mm. And then Poison Ivy comes along and feeling scorned, that starts to play in what you mentioned, which is a love triangle, which is also sort of played out in this movie between Batman, Robin, and and Poison Ivy. And Barbara. She works her way in there. <laughs> Ooh, it's a <laughs> rectangle or something. Yeah. Um, and then you also have that same theme played out with Mr. Freeze and his wife, mm-hmm. or frozen wife, or whatever that state of her is. And then like, I think now you have a through line that simplifies or better, the story. Or be- better structure. Clearly better yeah. structure. Instead, we get this. One million dollars. Two million. You don't have it. Three million. I'll borrow it from you. Four million. Five million. That's a utility belt, not a money belt. Six million. Seven million. <laughs> Never leave the cave without it. Oh, the back credit card. Um, Batman has all his finances on a MasterCard, like... 
that's maddening too obviously that's just total cheese yeah but another one of batman's powers is his infinite wealth that allows him to acquire Mm -hmm. the tech and here they're just kicking that to the curb and snarkily campily throwing that back in his face or giving themselves away well there's that if i'm a patron there i'm like man this guy's got a lot of money who has a lot of money in this town oh bruce wayne stupid yeah so then mr freeze comes and just you know he's ready to kind of you know deliver you know more of his huge And then just the total lack of physics in the fight scenes and him, and he's swinging from vines, but he just, like, grabs it and is, like, flying with it. Like, he didn't even, like, leap. Yeah, it's just, it's, the the tone of this film, like, by now is so ingrained in your head of just schlockiness. It's hard to take anything seriously when they try to do something of significance. There's a frostiness in your tone right now. Okay. Are you very frustrated at that? For real, are you super frustrated, or are you just wildly disappointed at this point? Oh, you know... I've had this film's had years to kind of age on me, you know, as a kid, you know, I ate this shit up, you know, I thought this was, this was great. I really liked the one before this Batman forever. And I still kind of do, but you know, had we never gotten good Batman after this, I think I'd be a lot more salty. I think I'm able to kind of enjoy the terribleness of this because I know it got better, but I'm also frustrated because I don't know how Warner Brothers executives and Joel Schumacher and all everyone involved in the project, let's say get to this point. Can you think of, even Marvel's had their missteps. They've never sunk into this level of schlock and, and just stupidness. The one superpower that I want mm-hmm. is the ability to be the fly on the wall in executive meetings regarding story mm-hmm. and just hear what wasn't said. Did somebody in that meeting, we do, like we do this often, right? Yeah. Did somebody in that meeting room say, okay, this is kind of coming across really bad. I have an idea. Let's not fix the script because it is fixable. Yeah. This, there, there is a thread of a movie in here, I believe. Mm-hmm. Nope. Let's double down on that and we will go all the way to like cheese. And then it's an homage film to the Adam West Batman from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Boy, it ends up being a tragic 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 choice regardless of how they got there for dc and that's hard too and that's a low budget television show on abc in the 60s and that looks the way it does because of six dollars of the money right and this is a almost 200 million dollar film and you try and do the same thing and it's it's just even more obvious how like out of place everything is yeah but the design of the film you said it a little earlier like i've always liked schumacher's Art Deco, Gothic, like every there's statues in Gotham, and not just any statue. Like it's the statues is the size of like a skyscraper. Tons of them. Yeah, I, I like the look of that, and they use models like they they were all intricately built and they're lit well with like oranges and purples. It's like Argento like got in here and like fooled yeah. with the lighting. Yeah, and I dig the, the the look of it. It's just everything everything being said and being done is just so questionable, and you're just like God, this is terrible. Like it's it's not good. It's yeah, all the, all the monumental architecture in this version of Gotham is really cool. Yeah. And it gives you some nice set pieces, so it makes sense to do that. Mm-hmm. And we had a discussion at the end of the film about one of those yeah. monumental architectural pieces that had a functional purpose, but they couldn't even quite figure that out either. And we'll get to that because <laughs> that's the, the final sequence. Yeah. But all, I, all I can say is... It does look... Gotham's cool looking in Gotham this. Gotham cool looking. I, I told you the whole podcast, man. I'm on, I'm, I'm on fire. I'm on ice. You're iced. Yep. Let me just say, George Clooney is really 
really fucking lucky that this film didn't wreck his career. Because we're talking about a Clooney that had this is like post ER. post to rotten uh, rotten tomatoes post killer tomatoes and return to whore high, uh, oh, wow and uh, not out to Larry Stofer. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Did he have anything to do with return to whore high? <laughs> no, but he started the original. There one. you go. There you go. Yeah. And then he's on ER, so he's actually filming ER while filming this film, and that's that's Clooney. That's. This is a year before Out of Sight. This is before Three Kings, before the Oceans films. Like he's so lucky he got out of this unscathed. He will reimburse you on the street if you tell him I hated this film. He'll, oh, is that right? He'll just give you money. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. He keeps a poster of this film in his office at home to kind of remind him of like how important decision making is. Make good choices. Make good choices. So it's just a reminder for him. That's interesting. Because you know, you think you do a superhero film and I'm off to the races. My career's set. And Especially with Batman, yeah, iconic character. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of stories out there, too, of actors that have had opportunity to play something that was successful. <clears throat> One that comes to mind is actually Josh Hartnett for Batman for Batman Begins, and they they wanted him, and he passed. And yeah, and he's kind of, other than Penny Dreadful's, kind of disappeared a little bit. So, yeah, it's hard. You, you don't know when you should say yes and should say no, because for every... It might be Batman and Robin. It could turn out to be that. You know what I mean? It's a tricky move. So, I guess the the thing I would say about that, you know, on set when it's as bad as it is, and people had to know this movie was bad. Mm -hmm. Chris O'Donnell doesn't have an out. Chris O'Donnell is about the level of talent this film needs. Can I say something that he said? Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, sure. He said it. It just felt like everything got a little soft the second time on Batman Forever. I felt like we were making a movie. The second time, I felt like we were making a toy commercial. Give me a break, man. If Chris O'Donnell is, if he's calling you out, yeah, yeah, and he's saying it soft, that guy, mm -hmm. give me a break. Yeah, he's a terrible actor, mm -hmm. and he's saying this. That's why. I'm, that's why I'm asking. No, yeah, that's alarming. Someone had to have in the production of this been like, hey, Joel. Can we talk for a minute, man? Can we tone it down a bit? Do you know what you're doing here? Like someone had to have. Yeah. And then the wheels of finance start to turn too. And what did they put into promotion and advertising oh, on this, man, Jesse? Buckle up for this number. $125 million for marketing. Marketing. That's what they pay to like market the Avengers now. And maybe that's a lot of money for trailers and commercials and merch and toys to barely do over a hundred in the States. Like the movie wasn't a hit. It was a very big bomb. The excess of camp, because it seems to be inept, needed to be addressed in two words. Mm -hmm. Someone needed to tell Joe Mocker these two words. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Chill out. <laughs> Chill out. You like that? I do like that. I know. So then the film does something that you and I just absolutely hate. They capture Mr. Freeze, and now he's in a, a General Electric refrigerator being taken to, to Arkham for the middle of the film. Well, the film tries to stumble across its other plots of Barbara uh, street racing with oh with, with the Warriors gang and Poison Ivy trying to find a Turkish bath lair with Bane and Batman and Robin fighting with each other. And then, oh, so Alfred's sick now. He's terminal, maybe. He has McGregor syndrome. That's not a real disease. Stage one. Don't forget the other really important thing, which is this... Totally non-developed relationship between Bruce and Elle McPherson. Oh, yeah. Who somehow she's not enough? Yeah. What? 
Oops. Yeah, she wants to marry him. I'm just not the marrying kind. And you said it so well. I don't even think he's acting in this scene. No, At that point in Clooney's life, he wasn't acting. It's his in life. He scene. doesn't want to be tied down. And God bless him, I guess, for that. Yeah. But in the movie, here's Poison Ivy, and she shows up on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And then here's Elle McPherson. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing about, like, I'm not speaking disparagingly about Uma Thurman. She's in our Betty Davis, Kristen Ritter category mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But it's Elle McPherson, man. Yeah. And if you're Playboy guy, mm-hmm. that's about the top of the. Oh yeah, especially in nineteen. I see mountain nineteen ninety seven. Oh yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah. So Alfred's dying of this disease, but it just so happens that we find out that Mister Freeze's wife it also has the same disease as she's frozen in her little tube. McGregor syndrome, stage four. Stage last too long. Stage four don't last very long. <laughs> Osteogenesis. That's your line. I stole it. It's osteogenesis imperfecta. Yep. There you go. So there's Bone, just... There's, bones don't make a certain protein. There's so much happening in this film. And like, we, we're literally jumping from each one with none of it really making a whole lot of sense. And we're just kind of hoping that we get to like the film's end with some type of coherence. But the, the, this moniker of arresting villains, capturing villains, having them locked up, only to know that, that they got to get out of there for the, the third act of the film... <laughs> this is a bad trope in in film, and there's a lot of films that have done it. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't play well because he's there, and they just got to go break him out. It's just another scene we have to have in this. It's not a long film, two hours. Yeah. It feels long. It does feel long, but it could have been shorter if you just, just take this out. It's not as bad as the Jamie Foxx Electro in Spider-Man. That was worse. Oh, the dunk tank? But this is bad. Yeah, that's about, it's about 50 minutes in that film. You do all this work to develop the powers of this bad guy and then lock him away. Well, this is the same thing here. And they've essentially encapsulated him in a light, like a like a light that has the ability to keep him cold enough so he doesn't die. <laughs> Which, I'm okay. Um, at, at least you're adhering to his character traits. Did you recognize one of the guards in there? I did. Jesse the body? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was on Arnold's behest as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So again, I guess you're back to what these two criminals are best suited for, which is a heist film. So Ivy going through a bunch of like more nonsensical in unimportant moments, like most of this movie is including Robin rescuing Barbara on the street bike race against some deadly gambling street bike club. I don't even know what that was where they're, jumping over ramps and like skyscraper, just nonsense, no mm-hmm. geography, no gravity, whatever. So that's going on, but it doesn't really matter because her superpower isn't to ride a motorcycle because yeah. that was Robin's. And you, cause you know, you saw how he entered the museum, dude. He blew a Robin hole in the wall. <laughs> that's how good he is at it. He can blow holes in the wall in the shape of a bird. Take that Alfred Hitchcock. So mm-hmm. again, we're just sort of spinning our wheels with nothing until Ivy decides to show up at Arkham. Is it Arkham? Yep. Arkham looks looks awesome. Yeah. This is a good Arkham. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Some praise for this. You do a good looking Arkham. (laughs) Do a good looking something. That was a toast, but it's in plastic glasses. So you guys can't hear. Let me take a drink of my foot. Drink too. feet. Yum. (laughs) (laughs) Peanut butter and jelly feet. Yeah. Let me chew this ice. Go. Um, She breaks him out. Breaks them out back to the snow cone factory now. <laughs> and that, that seals their lot, honor among thieves relationship. No, and- well, no, you said it really good because she he drops a line. You're like, first, 
we have to go get my wife. And she's like, you didn't tell me you were married. Like, well, what does that matter? Yeah, why does she care? Are she you in, into him? <laughs> I, maybe. Yeah. But there's been no lead up to that. No. And maybe she's... You, <laughs> uh, yeah. She's even tried her pheromone trick on him and it doesn't work because his heart's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. His heart's frozen? It's kind but of he fun. still loves his wife? It's kind of fun watching these movies together because like, we just get... It's immediate reaction. Like, just like... Every line is either just cracking me up or we're just like, oh, my God. Like, how did they let that into that? How are they okay with that? I do want to say something, though, a positive. Okay. She looks great. She looks poison like, Ivy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she looks like I want Poison Ivy to look in this. Oh, yeah, that's a good that's a good look. They do a great job of making her look seductively floral. What do you think about the, the eyebrow, like, green pointy eyebrow thingies? Love it. I love every outfit she's in the okay. entire movie as Ivy. Good. Yeah. Even when she dies and is reborn. Yeah. And comes out like kind of. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. That's kind. Of, that's how she kind of looks in those Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks great. Mm-hmm. Her powers are stupid, <laughs> and no one, including M Night Shyamalan, has ever been able to pull off killer plants. Ooh, ooh, that's a dig. Uh, yeah, bad one. Mm-hmm. But she looks awesome, mm-hmm. and so does Arnold mostly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah. Design, we're we're okay, other than the nips. Uh, and kind of, you know, all of that. Uh, I think, you know, we have some good things that we can work with in this film. It's too bad the rest of it is garbage. As we're talking about how, how good the movie looks, I don't know if you noticed, but there's not a single scene in this film that occurs in the day. It is perpetual night in Gotham. Other than they, 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 they have those uh, scenes um, where they're like just walk, when Barbara shows up. Other, oh, to, to walk around the estate. Yeah, other than that, yeah, night. It suits the movie well because they get to make it nice and dark, which mm-hmm. Batman should be. And then to what you said earlier with the, the vibrant colors mm-hmm. that feel like an Argento effect, mm-hmm. the orange looks good on a black building at night. Oh, the yeah. purple looks cool on the fire hydrant. Like it just works real well. Yeah. And I don't want to watch Batman in the day anyway. Batman doesn't really do anything in the day. Yeah. In the day, he's Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. In the night, he's Batman. Yeah. And that is a good decision. For all of the qualms that I don't have about the very, very first Michael Keaton Batman, because I don't. That's a mm-hmm. great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not Batman quite enough in that film for me. Sure. There's a lot of Batman in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's mostly Batman, yeah. not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Always looking on the bright side of life. <laughs> Sunshine Dixon. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, okay. So let's get into the last third of this film, which is just insane. So Batman and Robin, I've been at total odds. You've set it up nicely of like, I want to be in the spotlight, literally, like Poison Ivy makes him his own Robin signal. He doesn't want to be under the wing of Batman, but they're, you know, they're pretty close. But now we got to address one thing, and this, I, I guess I've never paid attention to this aspect of the film. So Alfred's dying for the 15th time now, and he's given Barbara this CD because the entire film, he's been looking for his long lost brother who's in... Bucharest or India or somewhere, New Delhi. A traveling court. I've never even heard of a traveling royal court. Yeah. So he, he's trying that just to, means you're a nomad. He's trying to find him to give him this compact disc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If it was a floppy, I would have lost it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of information, but it's secret. Only he can see it. Barbara, you see that my brother gets this disc. It's for family. So then she's like, well, I'm family. So she plugs it into the, the CD-ROM. <laughs> and decides to do some perusing, which, you know, now we've established, too, that Alfred has had this flame. Margaret, uh, this um, long-lost requited love, um, but he called her, her nickname for her was Peg. 
not Maggie or Marge or Meg. Yeah. Peg. Rye Nation, I guess I'm asking you, does anyone out there know of a Margaret who has given, been given the nickname of Peg? If yeah. so, please weigh in this week. Unless I've never heard of it. Yeah, unless her middle name is like Peggy. But that wasn't told to us, so I have to assume that he's taking it from the first name. You know what? Peg- and while we're at it, Steely Dan can kiss my culo, too. <laughs> Keep going. You don't like Asia? I hate him. Okay. All righty. Uh, so she p- pops in this 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 CD and is going through the thing. She eventually cracks the code because the password is Peg. Wait a minute. And then when and then when it opens up, what's on this disc is the blueprints and schematics of all the bad vehicles and the bad suits and the bad uh, uh, cave and the logo of the film with the Batman and the Robin place. So okay, hang on a second. Was Alfred gonna give his brother this CD that has all the secrets to the Bat family? I guess so. Why? I, well, yeah, you don't ask why in this film, I guess. Especially because I'm not going <clears> to <throat> give anything away here. Yeah. He's not going to die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the point? Yeah, he should die after a move like that. I don't know why. I I, I guess I, I've seen this film a lot, as bad as it's been. I've never picked up on that before. It's false conflict unless you're trying to show that Alicia Silverstone, Barbara Gordon's character, Barbara Pennyworth's character, mm-hmm. not Barbara Gordon, Barbara, Barbara's character. Mm-hmm is some computer hacker, but that really wasn't a thing like it is now in 1998. But what we have established is she's pretty good at stealing those motorcycles from Wayne Manor in the evening. Mm -hmm. So then why not just use that and her sneak ability to somehow happen to the Batcave? Mm -hmm. And then after Batman and Robin have found themselves in some terrible position that they can't get out of, Mm -hmm. she's the one that in the Batcave sneaks in there and dons the suit with even the same ridiculous, I knew you were going to find this Alfred Pennyworth recorded, but sort of live action he ability. Made, he made her one. Made her a suit. And then she gets to show up and she matters. Yeah. Nope. That's not, nope. She's really good at hacking passwords. I just can't get over this. Here's well, the, Alfred it, would never do that, Jesse. No, yeah. Alfred would never do that. I don't know. He did let Vicky Vell into the Batcave in that first Keaton one. She's pretty hot. <laughs> Kim Basinger. Okay. So. Just, yeah, so let's get past that because that's absolutely preposterous. Yeah. So then she suits up, another gratuitous close-up. You get you get ass and boobies. You get, the, you get the works in this one too, just like you did with the guys. That was actually really hard to watch. Yeah. It was so shameless. Yeah. Like especially, okay, at least the side of her, like her, her butt is like the side shot. Yeah. But it is straight on boobs. Yeah. Bat boobs. Look. Yeah. Equipped with nipples. Yeah. Bang. Here they are. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. That's, that was rough. And, and I'm not like that at all. Yeah. But I'm so like, damn, that's, that's, that's pushing the envelope yeah, a bit. Joel, you might want to like, you know. A touch of subtle yeah, is okay, tone Joel. That, tone that down a bit. Or have her just show up in the suit. I think we'd be okay with that. Because that's what we get in the next scene is the final raid on. Not the, cool. That was not Cool, not cool, Joel, Joel, you uncool man. Uh, this raid on the Turkish bats, which you know, she kisses Robin, but he's got the rubber lips. But then Batman's there too, and it's this sting that goes south, and the vines and the plants that they're being attacked. And then we get you know, Batgirl versus Poison Ivy at this point, and it's just one liner after one liner. And finally, she's eaten by her Seymour plant, kind of so to speak. One thing that struck me as also another miss in that right before Batman shows up to poison Ivy's lair greenhouse (laughs) greenhouse with his rubber lips, him and Batman have had a pretty big blowout. Mm -hmm. 
But I guess that was all just set up for the audience for the reveal, which is this was their plan. Here's the problem with that plan. Poison Ivy didn't hear a single syllable of it, so mm -hmm. it didn't matter to anyone. Like, that's not necessary. Because we see Robin freak out after Batman says, I'm asking you to trust your family like you told me. And then as he's still voicing over, I think we're going to the lair. Mm -hmm. And... We're like, oh man, I guess Robin's on his own. And mm -hmm. then she seduces him and there's the kiss with the rubber lips and you've come to find out Batman knew better all along, but it didn't matter because Poison Ivy was never fooled as she was not privy to the conversation. Exactly. How did you miss that? <laughs> yeah. I don't mean you. I mean like how, no, no, did, yeah, how yeah. did how did the screen I don't know. script doctor not I say, don't, mm, I don't are we sure this is the way? On top of all this, Mr. Freeze is now going to use the Gotham telescope as this freeze telescope because it's the, the telescope's weirdly powered by diamonds. So he's well, going There's to... one more thing we have to say. Okay. His wife, he thinks his wife is dead, and oh, yeah. Ivy has set it up mm -hmm. that Batman pulled the plug on the powering element of this water chamber she's encapsulated in, mm -hmm. and now she's died. Yeah. Well, Ivy's already done that. We've seen it. So she's just trying to get mm -hmm. Mr. Freeze. Yeah to do her bidding, which that's consistent. She's done that with men the whole film. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so the idea is, and this is literally their plan, okay? This is, I've made fun of this time and time again on this podcast, this is literally their plan. Yeah. We are gonna destroy the world mm -hmm. and we will be the only two up. Adam and evil. Ice, Isom and evil. Like mm -hmm. how they didn't get that one mm -hmm. should have paid us. Yep. But that, what a dumb plan. Yeah. So she and her frozen husband and her plants can live happily ever after. Stupid. So stupid. Yeah. Because they're not bank robbers anymore. And they're not world-dominating characters either. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, and, But Mr. Freeze has really gone off the rails. And he's not just going to freeze you anymore to steal the diamond. He's going to kill all of the world. Let's kick some ice. <laughs> oh. How did I not use that? Exactly. So, yeah, he's freezing Gotham. And then on top of that, and this is so stupid. Like, good God. Uh, Bane just, you know, doing his Bane shit. He's an imbecile. How did he remember those lines? <laughs> It's yeah, just, setting ice bombs in the shape of skyscrapers all around the telescope. Oh, why? Yeah. Don't you need it to freeze the city? Yeah, yeah they're, they're going to blow it all up at the end. Why? why? Well, here comes the new trio. They had time to go home and change because they're in some new spangly suits. They had to add a touch of silver to it. And new vehicles, they need the ice vehicles for this one. Mm -hmm. When they had time to make those, who knows? And then to have this final confrontation here on the telescope where it's just people falling... Batman fighting freeze. They're just jumping and leaping and doing miasma of acrobatics that have no physical sense to them whatsoever. And then to only kill Bane, you know, they unhose his venom and then he shrivels into like Pennywise. He shrivels into a nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And then we blow up the telescope and you had a big problem with this. Like for all the talk of physics and, you know, physics was never my favorite subject in school, but the lack thereof of it and falling objects is this telescope just like crashing through the observatory to what? <laughs> In the Spider-Verse film, mm -hmm. 
I loved all of that movie. I especially loved the look of it, except for about the last five minutes. And that final battle with, with Kingpin, it wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. It just, there was no geography. And so it lost all time and space and matter to me. And they just were sort of floating entities on whatever surface was nearby that housed a place to put your feet. It works okay in a, in a, um, a cartoon. Oh yeah. Because there's no weight in a cartoon. Mm -hmm. It just drawn images. Yeah. This is as absurd as that sequence is in not a cartoon. As bad as the museum bit was with, I, I don't know how big this, this area is. It seems like it's infinite. Yeah, this observatory. We're going to an icy cliff that houses this observatory that's powered with some crystal or some, some telescope powered by diamonds, which I don't know why, unless he built it, Mr. Freeze didn't steal the opening sequence in the movie again it's the monumental architecture that we've already introduced to the to the audience so at mm -hmm. least i guess that's consistent but this fight just ensues and we're falling and climbing and falling and it's ice and a cliff but that doesn't need to be a cliff so make that water and it's just ridiculous in how this is designed it was, I, I couldn't figure out who was where, what was what, why this was frozen, why you didn't do this with the telescope earlier. It's just, they've just basically mailed it in at this point and said, ah, oh, the hell with it. Let's just get a cool fight going in some place that has a couple set pieces that we can knock over and explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally everything just goes up and they get out of it at the end of the day saves the two scientists but they still got to unfreeze gotham so good thing barbara i keep wanting to say gordon because that's what it is that's what it should be well i did the same thing it's not barbara gordon though it's barbara pennyworth barbara something yeah it doesn't make sense yeah she's the computer whiz now she's able to hack the satellite so now we can unmelt gotham by well i don't know if you've ever looked at the course of study at oxbridge <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> they do offer motorcycle racing and computer science <laughs> as a dual major. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, they're going to unfreeze Gotham with these gigantic satellites positioned all over the globe. And if they reposition them in a certain sequence with a certain computer mathematic formula, they just might unfreeze Gotham. And boy, do they. Yeah. Yeah. But Chris O'Donnell, I'm on it. No, I'm on it. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just the back and forth, the entire film with everybody. I got you. No, I got you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you were saying the line. You've only seen, I think, this film once. Yeah. 97. It was chilling how on the nose every bit of dialogue was in this movie. Like 22 years ago. Oh, God. Just. <laughs> but you were saying the lines without kind of really remembering or knowing them because they, they just, you I know what they are. I saw this movie in the theater one time. That yeah. was it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, that's terrible. <laughs> it's, uh, hey. This movie suffers from terrible writing. Oh, really? <laughs> you don't say. Jesus. Yeah. So they they win the day. They unfreeze Gotham. That dog, that little bulldog gets to take his piss on the on the fire hydrant. Finally, he'd been holding it in that whole time. And then freeze, you know, they kind of, you killed my wife. I didn't kill your wife. Dun, dun, dun. I happened to film this footage during the last battle. And so we get the reveal that Poison Ivy had a play in it. And so now Batman and Freeze are kind of buddy-buddy and... Will you help me now save another life? McGregor syndrome stage one. And Freeze just so happens to have these vials in his little arm gauntlet that are just the cure for McGregor syndrome. He just carries them around with him everywhere. 
Let me freeze you right there for a second. And what I want to ask is, is there any point in the movie that would allow you to believe that Mr. Freeze is a redeemable character and would go so far to help Batman's Alfred? Is there a single moment that would make you think that that would occur? Not in this film. Except Mm -hmm. unless Mm -hmm. Batman says... I know you need more money to fund the cure for your wife. Mm-hmm. If you do X for me in my employ at Arkham, cause you're a bad guy yeah. and help us <clears throat> come up with the cure for Alfred, mm-hmm. then I'll continue to fund your research. Yeah, that's great. So easy. Yeah. Nope. That makes way too much sense. Yeah. Just give me what I need. <laughs> the end of this film. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll let you take us out. Yeah. We'll take us out. Uh, Freeze ends up at Arkham with Poison Ivy, who didn't get her head chopped off by her plants. She's still alive. And I guess they're just going to beat the shit out of each other now, like in the, in the, in the cell for almost killing the wife, even though she's still alive. When we see Poison Ivy in the greenhouse, when Robin shows up with the rubber lips, Mm -hmm. isn't she sitting in that Venus flytrap vagina that eats her like five minutes later? That's what I thought. Uh, Me too. I thought it ate her. So why is it pissed off at her now? Well, I don't know why it's, yeah, that, and I don't know how she's still alive after that. I think it would have eaten you. Because the, the, the lips, and I, no, I mean that because that's how it's presented and there's a lot of entendre in her dialogue. Didn't Robin say is everything green? And you're like, is he talking about her vagina? Yeah. 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 I think so. So the, the, the petals in the entirely used too often rose metaphor develop like in like devour ivy yeah with her two little legs kicking at the bottom to Mm -hmm. sort of allude to oh it's suffocating her yeah i think it's just holding her yeah and why would like it just let her out yeah couldn't you find another way have her get caught in the vines or strangulation or something strangulation by vine like i could buy that sure yeah nope nope you're an arkham too I think this is the first Batman film where both villains actually survive because at least one of them in the prior films dies. Yeah. Yeah, odd. So they're Yeah, pit- that's what I was going to ask you. Does Nygma die in three? No, Nygma ends up in Arkham, but Two-Face Tommy Lee Jones dies. Falls out of a plane, right? Yeah. Catwoman is lives to see another day. Danny DeVito Penguin uh, dies. Joker's dead. Joker falls off the... the helicopter there so yeah weird to kind of just keep them but we, we don't want to kill any of these guys because they're so likable so usable because they offer so many incredible villain moments going forward odd i guess they kill bane but he was nothing of a character to begin with so i don't know if they kill him or just shrink him back down into wimp size yeah as be- ah, he looked kind of dead okay he looked pretty dead all right all and right shame on marvel for stealing the bane transformation from little weaselly Steve Rogers to Super Soldier. They literally, they literally said Super Soldier. Super. I know. We both raised our eyebrows and said, "What?" Well, think of it too. Like at the time, Marvel's in no position to sue. They have no money. They don't even have a lawyer. <laughs> they have nothing. <laughs> Bankruptcy lawyer. Literally, they have nothing at this point, which is shocking. Now, yeah, they have everything. So, final scene of the film: Alfred shockingly lives, uh, and you know we've formed a new holy bat trinity between Batgirl, Robin, and now Batman, and now they need to build a bigger cave. We run at the bat signal, fade to black, and the smashing pumpkins play us out to the parking lot. Yeah, I like that song, but not that version. I like the like the slower version. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yeah, what can you say about the film? I do applaud at least the film. Has, this is the only film thus far that's at least attempted to tackle elements of the Bat family, which is kind of, there's a lot going on there. And then you bring in Jason Todd and Tim Drake and Damian Wayne, and you can go any Oracle in any direction with that. And honestly, the thing that handles that best is those Arkham Asylum games. Like, those rock. Do you ever find, as the big Batman <clears throat> fan, yeah. inside the DC universe, Batman almost has an insulated universe unto himself, mm -hmm. birds of prey and all that stuff in there. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever find it to be so vast that it almost is overwhelming? I mean, it can be. And I think, you know, if you try and tackle that on film, there's a certain way you should establish that, but there's any number of ways it, 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 it can go. It's, you know, you know, Batman or Nightwing or Red Robin. Like, there's so many different monikers that these characters take on. And I think the thing that helps that is something you said earlier is the rogues gallery is so vast. I mean, we're, we're talking about some of the bigger ones, but even some of the B and C listers are worth kind of pursuing, whether that's Mad Hatter or... Used properly, or, yes. Yeah, Hugo Strange. I think uh, you can tell good story. Hush. Mm -hmm. You can tell good stories with some of these villains, so... I think there's a lot of potential there. It's just how it's handled. And I think the I, definition, the lesson at the end of the day after watching this is this film was not handled with care. It was handled like a cartoon, as Joel Schumacher said. I think you have to, lot of have, you have, to have a lot of expertise to do Batman. Yeah. Familiarity with canon. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure they had enough familiarity with canon to tackle as an ambitious character cast or character introduction as this was. If I was to ask you, okay, so let's say on the scale of one to 10, okay. Batman being essential, therefore being a 10. Okay. So what is Tim Drake for you? One to 10, a five. Okay. Five. Mm -hmm. What is bar non-named second last name, Barbara, this one or the other, the comic version. Let's say, let's do comic first think about a three no I, I gotta go a little higher than tim drake she, she's a, maybe a, at least a seven because she has the whole thing with the joker and the joker paralyzing her and right. the stuff with between uh between jim gordon and her like there's and then she has a relationship too there's a scene i think it's i think it's in bat the dark knight returns or i'm getting them mixed up now she has sex with batman on like the roof of a building yeah so i think she's integral into into the into the to the universe here so, okay, mm -hmm. that's seven. What is Barbara in this movie? Oh, a one. Right. She didn't need to be in this film. Didn't need to be in it at all. Mm -hmm. Did they just check the box so that they could have Joel Schumacher's weird leather body fantasy portrayed out? No. Or were they trying to entice, uh, like build the fan base with like, here's a girl, so maybe girls will like this movie? I think the... Opposite of both of those. I sure. honestly think that both of Schumacher's films tried to push it to the next film. I think they were already thinking sequel before the film ended. Setting up Robin at the end of Batman Forever. Setting up Robin and now Batgirl at the end of this. Setting up what more we could play with going forward. I mean, Alfred's last line is literally, we need a bigger cave. So things are growing for the next film. I think they were always putting the cart uh, before the horse. Or horse before the cart? Yeah. What's the phrase? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So I think time horse before the cart. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. I think time now more than ever. Let's rate review or rate of Batman and Robin. We have rock gut and rock gut. Matt, I'll let you go first. Rot gut. <laughs> this movie's atrocious. 
there's bad and then there's bad, bad. Mm -hmm. Like this drink that we're consuming right now is bad, but it's tasty foot bad. Yeah. I mean, I've drinking most of mine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, maybe it's the grape crush. Yeah. <clears throat> there's not a moment in this movie other than some of the set design, the decor yeah. that works. It's just lazy. The lines were written stupidly. Even when they had moments to double down on what could have been clever, they missed. Um, the Even the action sequences, the fights are pretty terrible. Like that Poison Ivy Batgirl fight is awful to look at. They could tell that they have no idea how to throw a punch. Mm -hmm. It's like when you get those sports movies with like an actor and you can tell they've never thrown a ball in their entire life like that. Mm -hmm. It, there's like one thing that works in the movie and that's just fade out. No, it's the, the look and Gotham's a pretty easy look, no matter how you do it, as long as it's kind of dark, right? Mm -hmm. God, I'm not saying it's, I shouldn't say easy in that it, it does take some labor, but that's, that's all that works in this movie for me. Their gadgets are stupid. I think their costumes, even Clooney spoke about this mm -hmm. were the worst of the ones we've seen so far. Uh, I hate Chris O'Donnell. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like this Alfred. I guess Poison Ivy looks pretty cool. Again, I guess we're going back to the look. But even for all of the moments that the look works, I can give you an equal amount that it don't. Yeah, this movie's trash. Mm -hmm. uh, this might be the worst. I'd have to really look at it. Mm -hmm. This might be the worst superhero film that's ever been done, including Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah. I mean, Daredevil. Okay. Yeah, it might, might not get an argument from me there. Okay. Yeah, I'm going as rocket as you can possibly go. Especially being a Batman fan, it's it's more appalling now, now in my older age when compared to when I was a child because it's very flashy and appealing to a kid, this mm -hmm. film. But then when you kind of look at it and you're just like, man, this is just a mess. And then it's even more so, I think, in retrospect, looking at Nolan's trilogy and how he handled the character. And then looking at that and you're just like, man, it's not even close. Like it's it's like apples and oranges at that point. Yeah, it's it's very troubling, and I don't understand, you know, how it got to this point to spend so much money. It's the lowest-grossing Batman film to date, um, nominated for eleven Razzie Awards. Like, yikes! Like, we're it, this bad territory. Um, Bob Kane died a year after this film's release. It probably killed him after he saw it. Uh, the poor reception of this literally made Warner Brothers pull the plug on Tim Burton's Superman Lives, the Superman with Nicolas Cage. That it was this was so alarming that we're like, we we can't continue this. This is appalling. We should do a podcast one day, like mm -hmm. a shot or something. That's yeah, the best movie or movies that were never made. Yeah, I think it's perfect a perfect setup. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's rock gut, and then I'll just sum it up with this definition. To me, this film is just like a dog turd. That's sprinkled with frosting. It looks nice design-wise, and you said that very well a second ago, but it's total, total dog shit underneath it all. And that's that's just the film. Yeah, it might be the worst superhero film. There's that Shaquille O'Neal Steel film. Um, oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's pretty bad, too. But what do you expect from that? When I see Batman and Robin, I expect something, and I get this. That's, that's unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Man, Dark Phoenix and Van Forstick give it a run for its money, though. Like, Oh, those are terrible. Those are really bad. So the perfect segue, this nearly a franchise killer for DC. I listed all those things. Maybe Batman. Can we even make Batman films after this? My nightcap question to you, Matt, is what's the worst film to almost kill a franchise? Let me give you my runner-up, and then I'll give you my winner. Sure. Uh, there's lots of 
opportunities here in franchisable films that have multiple entries to find that terrible one. Uh, Iron Man 3 would be my runner-up. It did end the Iron Man franchise, and that movie sucks. Although it's fantastic compared to what we just watched, that movie sucks. And it ended Iron Man's ability to carry a movie by himself. But there is still the Avengers, and he still works in a team environment, kind of much like the way he works in the Avengers comics. Like, very difficult to find a really great Iron Man storyline that's standalone, but Mm -hmm. pretty good in some Avengers arcs. But that's not the winner. It's Rocky Five. Uh, again, some bad studio decisions mm-hmm. that took a pretty lock solid concept that was very successful and stripped it away. Uh, I guess the one thing we can take away from Rocky Five is it does explore Rocky as trainer, mm-hmm. and that'll work in some later iterations. But Rocky Five was really bad and did that franchise in. For until I think at least 15 years, 15 years. Yeah. Rocky Balboa resurrected it. That's one of my favorite sequels. Like yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that, that both that franchise is a bit bulletproof for you and me, but yeah. that was a terrible miss. Mm-hmm. And then of course we get to the Creed stuff. That's terrific. Excellent. So yeah, I guess Rocky five is, is my winner. I, I've never really looked into how close it came to destroying Rocky. I can't say that there's a 15 year hiatus and what is, not only a bankable bankable genre in mm-hmm. Hollywood, which is boxing, yeah, but with, I would argue, one of the three most widely recognized characters in all of Hollywood. Sure, the others being Darth Vader and Han Solo. Mm-hmm. I think Han Solo and Darth Vader both have Luke beat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So again, yeah, we could talk about that some other day. Yeah. So I guess Rocky Five. No, that's a good one. Yeah, because that, and that movie's bad. I just, yeah, I think that'd be pretty rock up for me. Like him trimming Tommy the machine gun and all that stuff with his promoter. And then he had his real son uh, in the film playing his son. And his son wants to be close to dad, but his dad just wants to train Tommy. And then we get the street fight at the end. And for all the great that I think Rocky's one, two, three, and I love Rocky four. Mm-hmm. I must break you. Rocky five just does a, like a total shit on all of that. And it's just, it takes it back to its roots, but like not really understanding what made one and two so great. They even brought John G. Adelson back for that one. And it's, it's really, sh- and, and Burgess Meredith in that Mickey ghost scene, Mickey ghost scene. I said that cause it's, it's what it is. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, that's a big miss, but I'm thankful because I love Rocky Balboa. It'll make, it kind of makes me want to like weep. Like it's, it's handled so well at the end mm-hmm. and Creed one and two are, Brilliant. 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 Those are top shelf films right there. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with an honorable mention of sorts. Uh, When your franchise gets to space, you know you're just totally screwed. Like you've wrecked everything. Jason X is, to me, could could have been a franchise killer. Jason's lucky that in the pipeline they were planning Freddy versus Jason, which was a big hit. Because... Who wants to touch Friday the 13th after you go to space? Like, Jesus, even Michael and Freddie didn't stoop to that low. Like, that's bad. Yeah. Um, but I got to go with the franchise that's near and dear to my heart. And it's, to me, um, it's Alien 3. This is David Fincher's film. And I'm, I'm going to go on record here, and I'm going to say this is not a bad film. This isn't rock gut like Batman and Robin. It's probably maybe a well uh, or call type of film. There's stuff that's decent in there. But for all the suit wearing and backstabbing and producer interfering and just interference on this film of what could have been, and there's comics and books you can read 
alternate versions of Alien 3, uh, it just kills everything that was set up so good by 1 and 2. Because then from that, we go to Resurrection, and then to Alien versus Predator, and then Alien versus Predator Requiem, and then Prometheus, and then Alien Covenant. I don't think this franchise has really recovered like decently since the misstep that is Alien 3. Not a terrible film, but it's it's not a good um, stepping stone for what what is a may arguably the best one two entry of all time. So after one and two, yeah, that's your least favorite of all the other ones because I know you hate Prometheus. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big no no Covenant's worse than Prometheus. Resurrection's pretty appalling. Like I just said, three's not a bad movie. It's just it it wrecked the trajectory of of a good series already. Sure. So I like those. I'm surprised that Alien was able to recover, and they're still they're still limping along. But they should really throw in the towel at this point. I, I thought about Terminator as well, but man, we did Terminator a number on Dark Fate. So go listen to that episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I turned that film inside out. Oof. How can you not? <laughs> exactly, Arnold again. So let's set up what's coming up. Matt set it up so perfectly. So we're gonna do a midweek shot this week. I didn't mention this on the podcast, but there it was, even as bomby as it was and as much as everyone hated it, there was plans to do Batman 5, Batman, I've heard it called Unchained, and Batman Triumphant. And the story is actually pretty cool. So we're going to talk about the best films uh, you never got to see, looking at films that got stuck in development hell that were maybe this close to shooting that just got killed at the 11th hour. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'll talk about the Batman films that... Um, could have been uh i think maybe maybe we'll do like three each you you tackle three stories uh and i'll, I'll do three and we'll do a little midweek episode for you that's gonna be fun uh, it's, it's a fun little little conversation we won't drink this either yeah something good no, I'll, I'll go i'll get something really good okay um and then next week we're just gonna continue on the shit sandwich train with another very poor entry into batman's moniker we're gonna look at 2016's Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> and Matt, we need to do something here. So <clears throat> there's two versions of this film. There's the theatrical release and the ultimate edition. I'll I'll take one for the team and I'll bear the extra burden of punishment. You watch the theatrical version. Okay. And I'm going to do the ultimate edition. Because there's people out there that say the ultimate edition improves the film. First of all, Fuck you, because what it first thing it does is it makes the film three hours long, which is already a bad sign. Yes. And it what it expands on is stuff we don't even care about anyway in the film. So I want to do the ultimate, ultimate sour mash on this film because there's a great film in there. It maybe doesn't involve Ben Affleck, but it just involves the trajectory of the story because this film suffers from excess as well. Too many plot lines, too many things happening, and the worst plot convergence maybe of the last 10 years which is the martha bit i can't wait to talk about mm -hmm. all of it it's gonna be mm -hmm. another another shitty morning <laughs> <laughs> fantastic yeah <laughs> so cheers to that you have that to look forward to right nation yeah man dc just it's a miracle they've had winners like with the management at that studio <laughs> well um, the word winner is an interesting word when we start talking about dc <clears throat> mm -hmm. someday we'll do the best of DC Oh, ooh. and take the winners. And I bet you we end up shredding those pretty good too. Yeah. Cause I think the first wonder woman and Aquaman would probably have to be included. Mm -hmm. Using the Nolan Batman stuff is just too easy. It's too, it's not fair. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right. 
winners it'll, it'll, use lightly. It'll be interesting too, because then the other thing, and we'll talk about this next week, that Batman also or B- BBS Donna Justice suffers from is playing catch up with mm-hmm. Marvel, mm-hmm. the machine at this point, right? And how you try and do too much when you don't really have anything established. So we're going to get into all of that next week. So until then, Matt. Till then, Jesse. Till. I got to go thaw out. Like, this drink has frozen me solid. I got, I'm going to go stand in the sun for a little bit because if I hear one more ice pun, I'm going to die. I'm going to go home and drink a gallon of water to flush this out of my system as quick as I can. Excellent. No ice pun there. I've had plenty today. Okay, perfect. We'll see you all next week, Ryan Nation. And this was for you, so you're welcome. Be cool, everybody. Have a good week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Tune in and leave us a comment at Productions at gmail.com. Batman and Robin is property of Warner Brothers Pictures and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, I'm Batman. Partners? Partners. Partners. We're going to need a bigger cave.